0: The recording that you're about to listen to is a talk from the City Bible Forum. We would appreciate you respecting our copyright by not making copies of this talk or altering the content in any way. We hope that you find the material beneficial. If you would like more information on the City Bible Forum, you can visit us on the web at citybibleforum.org.
1: I've got three stories to share with you. The first one is James. James is updating his LinkedIn profile, his online resume. And as James is reviewing his resume, he wants to paint just the right picture. As he goes through his background, his experience, his skills, now what sort of things should he list down to attract his next employer? And as he puts it through, he also wants to communicate to his prospective new employer that he's a well-rounded person, you know, that he's a, a good bloke as well. James, as he does this, is is thinking to himself, how can I succeed and find happiness, not just professionally, but in all of life? How can I write an awesome professional and life resume? Well, Louise is updating her eHarmony profile, her online dating profile. Back in India, where Louise is from, uh, where, where she was born, her parents have put an ad in the newspaper for, on her behalf, if you know about these personal ads, and our parents do it on behalf of their, their children in India. Uh, putting their ethnicity, their caste, you know, in, in these ads, I don't know if you've ever seen them, they say caste is not a problem, you know, the Brahmin or the... the but the fact that you have to write that, what does that indicate? Uh, also, her family background, her skin colour. Apparently, our fair skin is more desirable than darker skin. Which, you know, looking at me, I wouldn't agree with. I think Ben Brown's great. Huh? As well as her professional and academic background. And, you know, in the Indian personal ads, it's not just your personal uh, professional and academic background. The parents put in their background as well. It's amazing. Well, Louise is doing her one in Australia for eHarmony, and she's wondering, how can I make myself attractive to other people? How can I write an awesome romantic resume? Then there's George. George is updating his religious life. Now George is someone who was baptised as a baby, grew up going to Roman Catholic school, and his parents go to church every Sunday. They're religious. Now certain things have happened in George's life that's led George to wonder, I've got to do something about my much-neglected religious life. I've got to update my religious resume. this afternoon, we're looking at Paul's letter to the Philippians. And Paul, the author of this letter, is a Christian leader. And he's writing to the Philippians, who are residents of Philippi, a city in eastern Macedonia, modern-day Greece. And I happen to look it up on Wikipedia. The ruins of this city of Philippi have just been listed on the World Heritage Site uh, for 2016. Two things to note about this letter. Paul's writing the letter from jail, from inside a Roman jail. Paul, you see, is an insider behind bars. He's jailed for preaching the Christian message. He's on death row for writing to the the church in Philippi. uh, As he writes to, uh, to the church in Philippi, he's writing as someone who might not have that much longer to live. And yet, the second thing to note is that he writes the letter with the theme of joy. Now, who here has seen inside out? Good, good, good. My favourite character is, of course, joy. Amongst all the emotions and feelings to have, Philippians is especially focused around the emotion of joy. The particular portion that we're looking at today is chapter 3, verse 1 to 11, and we're going to divide it into three parts. Firstly, how to get right with God. Secondly, how to grow spiritually. And thirdly, the emotion, the theme of joy and rejoicing. Well, firstly, how to get right with God. Well, getting right with God is A, not through performance and being a good person. And B, getting right with God is not through religion. So, verse 2, Paul says, Watch out. If you have a look with me at verse 2, he says, Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Now who's Paul referring to so derogatively as dogs, mutilators of the flesh? He's referring to a group of people known as the Judaizers. The Judaizers are very religious Jews. And they want converts, people who come to believe in the God of Israel, to follow their Jewish religious law including the Old Testament law of being the people of God circumcision now imagine these Judaizers running after you as a convert to God wanting to snip snip the foreskin of your private parts it's no wonder that Paul says to beware of them the Judaizers think that they are the true blue people of God with their zealous religious observance and rituals they think they're the real deal But Paul opposes them and warns others to beware of them. Now, if the Judaizers think that following God is about your religious performance, your religious resume, so to speak, well, Paul is willing to take them on. Verses 4-6, to Paul presents his religious resume to show that no one is more Jewish than he, to show that no one is more religious than he. Paul has an awesome religious resume. Firstly, no one is more Jewish. Now, to illustrate, I wonder if there's anyone here in Chapter House today who's more Vietnamese than me. Uh, Born in Vietnam of Vietnamese-born parents, lived in Cabramatta the first year I was in Australia, and I love beef noodle soup. And when you say beef and needle strip, that's a foe, okay? It's fur. Fur okay, Fur. And does anybody else know someone who owns a hot bread shop and the fingernail painting thing? Well, I know plenty. I reckon oh, I'm the most Vietnamese person in the room. Well, Paul is a Jew of Jews. If you have a look at verse five, he's circumcised on the eighth day according to the Old Testament law. He's of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. He is a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul is a Jew of Jews. And secondly, no one is more religious. So also, middle of verse 5, in regards to the Old Testament law, Paul was a Pharisee. When it came to strict obedience to the law, Paul was strict as strict. And as for zeal, he was persecuting the church. Paul was unashamedly full on as a Jew giving the church a really hard time arresting the Christian people and approving of their deaths. And as for righteousness based on the law Paul was faultless. Paul was blameless when it came to right religious behaviour. Now I wonder if like me you know people who boast about how religious they are. At all I go to the temple every festival, every year without fail with the offerings that I have to offer Tor, I'm a very religious person I pray five times a day without fail facing a certain geographical direction I'm a very religious person Tor. You know, I go to church every Sunday and sometimes I go to church during the week as well and I give heaps of money to church Paul invites his opponents if you want to play religious resumes let's go Let's play religious resumes with each other. You list all of your qualifications down and I'll list all my qualifications down and I bet I'll win hands down. By the standards of Paul's own opponents, people who want to be religious, Paul is ducks of the school. Paul is the gold medalist. Paul is the ATAR 99.95 when it comes to religious performance. Now, speaking of school... What was your favourite subject at school? Arthur, what was was your favourite subject at school, Arthur? Uh, Music. Music. I reckon if Paul had a favourite subject at school, I reckon it was maths. Paul would have been handy with the calculator or the Excel spreadsheet. Because verse 7, he says, but whatever were gains to me, whatever were pluses for me, I now consider loss I now consider minuses for the sake of Christ. Whatever was a religious gain to Paul, he now accounts as a loss for the sake of knowing Christ. And then he goes further, verse 8. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. Such is the value of knowing Christ that Paul considers everything else a loss. For the value of knowing Jesus, he's willing to write everything else off. So verse 8 continues, he says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. So whatever religious people may regard as a positive, as a plus, Paul is willing to write off as a negative for the value of having Christ. So Paul considers his religious pedigree and achievements, he considers them rubbish, garbage. If you ever get a chance at the King James Version, he considers it dog poo, dung. He writes it all off. Well, how about uh, Paul's favourite office equipment? I wonder, Gavin, what's your favourite piece of office equipment? Pen Pen and pencil. I reckon Paul's favourite office equipment would have been a shredder. What's religion about? Religion is about our performance and our efforts to reach God through right behaviour and right rituals. Our qualifications, our religious resume. Well, there's no one more religious than Paul. But Paul considers all his religion worthless when it comes to getting right with God. He's willing to shred his religious resume. Because... What is Jesus all about? Jesus is all about relationship. So coming back to verse 8 and verse 9, Paul says, I consider them garbage. Why? That I may gain Christ and be found in Christ. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from obedience to the law, but rather that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith or trust. You see, Jesus is all on about relationship. Rather than getting a righteousness of your own that comes through obedience to the law, Paul's got a righteousness that's a gift that's given to him by God. And how? Through relationship. With who? Jesus. And how can he have a relationship with Jesus? By trusting him. So Jesus is all about having a right relationship. Now this right relationship is about faith. It's as if Jesus is offering relationship, offering his hand, and you take the step of faith. What would that look like? You take the step of faith by trusting Jesus, by offering your hand in return and accepting Jesus' offer. Faith is accepting Jesus' offer and making the handshake, the handshake of trusting him to make you right with God. Well, now I've got a a guessing competition for you this lunchtime. If you remember the good old sale of the century and the who am I? Who am I? I was born to a God-fearing mother. I was raised in a God-fearing church. I came to Christian faith while studying commerce law at the University of New South Wales. My wife is a God-fearing woman. I trained in Christian ministry under a semi-famous Christian leader. I studied theology at the College of Colleges, more theological college in Newtown, and this is the last clue. I became the Bishop of Bulungong. Who am I? Oh, good. It is City Bible Forum's own Bishop Al Stewart. Now, not all of us will, will know who he is, but I want to use him as a case study because uh, in the organisation I work with, City Bible Forum, I'm the foot soldier and he's the general. But since he's not here, I'll use him as an example and say whatever I like about him. Well, our friend Al has all of these religious credentials. Because of his religious credentials, some people would think if anyone is right with God, Bishop Our Stewart would be. But this would be a very dangerous error. It's the whole thing that Paul writes against in Philippians chapter 3. If Al were to place his confidence in his religious pedigree, And all his religious badges. Do you know what? Our would miss out on salvation. All of our positives become negatives if he were to put his faith in them to be right with God. Because even our, Bishop Our, cannot trust in himself to be saved. Even our cannot trust in his achievements to be right with God. Because salvation is by. Christ alone, through faith alone, by God's grace alone. And the word alone is crucial here. Salvation is through the person and work of Christ alone and not ourselves. Salvation is through faith or trust or dependence in Christ alone and not ourselves. And salvation is by God's grace, God's gift, God's undeserved mercy to us alone and not ourselves. So our can be right with God not by his religious resume, but by Christ alone, faith alone and grace alone. And if this is true for our, it's true for each one of us. Well if I was to apply it to myself, what would it mean? It would mean that when it comes to getting right with God, what does what do I need to do? I would need to transfer trust from myself, to trust in Jesus. I would need to transfer trust in my achievements to trust in what Jesus achieved for me on the cross when he died for my sins. Well, having considered how to get right with God, how would one grow spiritually when one's got a relationship with Jesus? Two things that it's not, and then how to do it. Well, firstly, it's not through being the right ethnicity. It's not about becoming Jewish. And secondly, it's not through obedience to the religious law. It's not about having started by faith in Jesus to have a relationship with God. That you continue by doing good and by doing religious works. Rather, how is it? It is growing by being shaped by Jesus' death and resurrection. Three things when it comes to Growing, being shaped by Jesus' death and resurrection. Firstly, it's about knowing. So verse 10, Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. It's about growing in your knowledge of Christ and depth of relationship with him. Knowing the power of God that's at work for your good. Secondly, it's about sharing. So Paul says, verse 10, I want to... I want the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Now, what's this all about? It's not about sharing in Christ's sufferings as if you're going to get crucified for the sins of other people. No, that job's already been done. But rather, about continuing in service, just as Jesus considered the interests of other people before his own. And thirdly, it's about becoming. Becoming like Jesus in his death. It's about becoming like Christ submitting yourself the rest of your life to the will of god whatever happens so how to grow spiritually how to grow in christ is about being shaped by jesus death and resurrection knowing him better sharing in his mission to care for other people and becoming like him in character now look at this picture of this beautiful old married couple i don't they look terrific What does the the world focus on when it comes to relationships? I think of Hollywood and, uh, how do I say it again? Is it Brangelina? Brangelina. Think of handsome Brad Pitt and the very attractive Angelina Jolie. They are all externally what the world would go after. Beautiful people. And the world would focus on their achievements, on their resume. Both are very, very successful they both you know individually earned hundreds of millions of dollars I, I imagine but their marriage has sadly dissolved instead imagine a, a couple that has grown old together and their love for each other grows and deepens the longer they're married so i've heard of couples who after 40 years of marriage still marvel at the fact that, you know guys i'm thinking of guys because I'm getting to know my, my wife better after 40 years of marriage. I think like, you're a slow learner, mate. But it's amazing. Uh, he's still fascinated to get to know his wife better after decades. And I've seen have, you seen, have you seen couples grow closer together? Not through just the good times of life and marriage, but especially through the hard times and the suffering. And I've seen people in the course of their lifelong marriage uh, grow in character. uh, That the other partner helps them to be more patient, more gracious, uh, more humble as they advance in years. Well, growing spiritually in Christ is like that. A long-term relationship. Knowing, sharing, and becoming. Not just for the short term, but for life. So, We've seen how to get right with God. We've seen how to grow spiritually in Christ. This last point is to remind us to rejoice. The whole section of Philippians is kicked off with Paul urging the Philippians in verse 1 to be joyful. He says, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. You can rejoice in the Lord when you focus on the right things and not be led astray. So you can rejoice in the Lord when you focus on not the incense and the religious uh, place to go to and the money and all that kind of stuff. You rejoice when you focus on the fact that you're free from religion in order to have a relationship with God. You can rejoice that you've been made right with God through faith in Jesus rather than anything that you do. You can rejoice when you look forward to living a life shaped by Jesus' death and resurrection. Well, uh, returning to our three stories, uh, remember James who's updating his LinkedIn profile, his online resume? If James links his happiness to having an awesome professional resume, well, he's on the treadmill of always chasing the next achievement. And no matter how successful he gets, he never feels like he's made it for sure. There's always a certain insecurity with achievement-based value. James is enslaved, if that's not too strong a word to use, to performance-based anxiety. And with performance-based anxiety, joy is elusive. He never feels like he's made it. But if James were to find his value and security in being in relationship with God, here. Value and security is not based on his performance, but rather on God's love and mercy. And therefore, it is secure. It's not up and down depending upon how James does at work. So James can swap his achievement-based resume for what Jesus has achieved on his behalf. And by putting his trust in Jesus, James will know that he's made it. He's made it for life. And the joy that he's found so elusive can be his in Jesus. Uh, Louise. Louise and her eHarmony profile, thinking, how can I make myself attractive to others? What features should I highlight about myself? What do I have to commend myself to other people? Well, Louise perhaps can remember that meaning and acceptance is not found in external things, you know, how she looks and all that kind of stuff. If Louise would come to trust Jesus, she would know that she's got acceptance from God. And it's not something that she needs to earn. It's given to her in Jesus. And now Louise can be free to be who God has made her. She's got this freedom in Jesus. It doesn't matter what part of India she was born in. It doesn't matter what caste she is, what ethnicity. It doesn't matter how fair or dark her skin is. It doesn't matter what her job title and family background is. If Louise were to transfer her trust from her romantic resume to Jesus' achievement on her behalf, she's got the best chance of finding joy in life. And maybe, as she thinks about romantic relationships, she's not going to think about worldly compatibility, worldly criteria. After all, who were more compatible with each other than Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie? Rather, uh, what would Louise be looking for? Someone similar in terms of relationship and faith. And George, George who's wondering, how can I get right with God? How can I update my religious resume? Well, George can come to realise that it's not about his Catholic education, it's not about his baptism as a child or his religious upbringing from religious parents. These things can't make him right with God. Even if he had the religious pedigree of Bishop Al Stewart, That would not make him right with God. Rather, it's Christ alone who saves by faith alone through God's grace alone. And the spiritual happiness, freedom and joy that George is looking for can be found by swapping his religious resume and putting his trust in Jesus and Jesus' achievements. So, writing an awesome resume Perhaps you're updating your resume. As you look through your resume, where will you place your
0: value and confidence? Uh, Now, while people might be typing away their questions or are forming their thoughts, um, you mentioned um, joy and inside out. Now, in the movie, joy and happiness seem pretty much the same thing. Do you reckon joy and happiness are the same? So uh, joy
1: and happiness, are are they they the same? I'm not 100% sure about this, but I'll give a stab at it. I think if uh, joy and happiness were, is it like concentric circles or Venn diagrams? I forgot how it all works. I think that um, happiness would be the smaller circle, and I think joy would envelope it. So I'll use um, Paul as an example. So Paul who writes the letter to the Philippians. I'm guessing he's not that happy being in jail. And yet he writes with joy. So I think you can have joy without necessarily being ha-ha happy. Yeah? Um, and why has he got a joy? I think it's, it's a deeper sort of thing where he's got a security in terms of knowing that whatever his circumstances, not, not very good circumstances he's in, but he knows that his life is in God's, God's hands. That God's got a plan and he's part of that and he's in God's good plan however it's going to turn out. So I think uh, joy
0: is uh, yeah, uh, deeper than happiness. Yeah. Cool. Thanks Tor. Um, any questions from the floor before I go to one that's come through? Excellent. Tor, uh, I don't think I'm in danger of being convinced to run out and get circumcised. What do you reckon is the city worker equivalent for a Sydney CBD worker today?
1: Yeah, so um, in the context of the Philippians, the, the big thing is about becoming Jewish in order to get right with God and following the whole Old Testament law, including this uh, stark one of circumcision. So, yeah, so, so that's not an issue for us. But what, what would be some equivalence? Uh, I don't think it's an exact parallel. But I remember, I remember when I was exploring Christianity, uh, so I come from a Buddhist background. I'm the only Christian in my family, but I, I was given one of the uh, Gideon's Bible. You know the Gideon's people who hand out Bibles everywhere? Well, I, I got given one, and since it was free and I'm Chinese, I thought I'd take it. Yeah? Uh, but uh, as, as life got hard for me, uh, I began reading it. And as I began reading it, I thought I'd... Um, I kept it a secret from my family, um, but I, I told my friend Dylan from high school, and Dylan... Uh, who'd had a Roman Catholic education before he came to high school, high school mates, Dylan said to me, hey Tor, uh, are you going to get baptised? I'd become so captivated by the authority with which Jesus spoke, as I, I read the, the, the life of Jesus in, in the New Testament, that I thought, if what it takes is for me to get baptised, if that's what it takes, I'll, I'll, I'll do it, yeah. Um, but then I, I happened to, be, I happened to uh, get taken by another high school friend, Daniel, this Korean fella, to a Christian meeting. We were 50 minutes late, but the last 10 minutes, I heard about God's grace. This idea that you don't need to do anything in order to get right with God. And the speaker happened to say, you know, it's stupid to think that baptism could make you right with God. There'll be plenty of people who are baptised with water, but they don't give a fig about God. And there'll be people who haven't been baptised with water, and yet their trust is in Jesus. So it's silly to think that anything, any ritual could get you right with God. Uh, Whatever that's, circumcision, baptism, or other things. And maybe applying it for the the city worker, a bit broader, it's silly to think that we could do anything, whatever it might be, whether religious or not, uh, any good thing, any meritorious, praiseworthy thing. It's stupid to think that we could do anything to earn the favour of God. If we could earn the favour of God through religious performance through being good, then why would Jesus need to come and die
0: if we can do it on our own? That's cool. um, So maybe a, a slight follow-up question to that. Uh, is there a right place for religious practices in the Christian life? So, uh, so
1: since we're not saved by religion, but saved through relationship with Jesus, is there a right thing for religious behaviour? Now... Uh, The letter written by James in the New Testament, it says that religion that God approves of is this. What type of religion? It's to care for the poor and the widows and the orphans. So, even through caring for those who need need help, uh, that's not going to save you. The only thing that saves you, the only thing that makes you right with God, is your faith in Jesus. But now that you've got a relationship with Jesus, what does God call you to? To keep growing in your knowledge of Christ? to share in Jesus' mission. What's Jesus' mission? It's to love people. So now with whatever means at your disposal, your whole life, each day of your working life, all your financial resources, uh, everything that you've got, uh, God calls you, if you've got a relationship with him, to use that for the benefit of other people. That's your mission here on earth. So uh, if you define religious behaviour in terms of all the rituals and all that, uh, shred that. But if you define uh, religious behaviour in terms of what you do as a follower of Jesus, uh, read the New Testament and see all the characteristics and good works that God wants you to do when when you've got a relationship with him.
0: Uh, We've probably got time for one more question, so if there's one from the floor, I'll take that. Otherwise, I can jump to the SMS line again. Um, Tor, you said that Al's credentials... Um, won't save him, but he seems like the sort of person you could look up to as a model. Uh, so how does how does this mesh with the idea of looking for mentors/slash models that we heard about last week? Okay. Uh,
1: so, uh, so our 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 Stuart uh, is not going to be a model when it comes to uh, religious credentials. Uh, uh, I, I, it's great to use our as an example because I don't think he cares a fig in terms of uh, all, all his things on his resume when it comes to uh, different positions that he's held. Uh, his faith is in Jesus. Um, so in terms of, I suppose, we all want to find role models, whether in, in work or maybe as parents. Isn't it great to know other people who've already been parents and seem to have done a good job and when you're a new parent to uh, learn tips, to, you know, although each individual's uh, situation is different. I remember uh, being in my first job at the uh, Crown Solicitor's Office, and I was the youngest in the office, but there were older guys who, who took me under their wing. Uh, not because it was going to benefit them, but uh, out of the kind, because they were kind and they cared for me, uh, they showed me how to do things around the office. And they took me to court, and I'd watch them do it, and then I'd imitate. And uh, with, that, with that sort of culture of uh, people who are in the know and know how to do things passing on their knowledge to other people, uh, newbies like me, uh, that, 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 that was a great sort of mentoring. And then hopefully I, in turn, uh, will do that for other people who, who are new. Uh, when it comes to the Christian life, um, I'm going to talk about mentors uh, uh, next week. So please, please come back uh, next week. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that question, by the way. <laughs> um, but but uh, what are we going to look for in terms of mentor Mentors, I think you look for those with character. I remember when I worked... Uh, in another organisation and I was at the bottom of the food chain and I was carrying around these, these paper clips wasn't like that. And then I, I tripped and I dropped them all over the carpet. And you know they get stuck in the carpet and it's hard to get out. But the, the, the head of the organisation, he saw me do it. And you know what he did? He, he got down on his hands and knees and he helped me pick them up. And I thought, if I work with someone like that who's at the top of the organisation and I'm at the bottom... This is someone of character. I think he'd be worth uh, listening to listening to, and, and follow. So I think
0: uh, when we look for models for mentors, uh, look for people with character. The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum. For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city or to order other talks, please visit citybibleforum.org.